Hello everyone, welcome to episode 165 of Midweek Metagame. That's right, I remembered this week. Uh, I'm your host, Patrick Robertson, joined by, as always, by Gabrielle Nassif. Hey Pat, hey everyone. Well, well, well. To borrow a phrase from Harry MTG, Gab's done it again, he's top-aided uh, the regional championship uh, in Naples over the weekend, playing Esper Legends, which we spoke about on the podcast last week. Congratulations, Gab. So this this week we're going to go through you know brief tournament report from Gab, what he thought of the deck, what he would change to go forward, um, and then we can talk about the kind of outcomes from standard for the la- the upcoming over the last weekend in preparation for the kind of US RC that's coming up uh, shortly. Before we get into everything, uh, podcast is brought to you by the Patreons uh, midweek uh, patreon.com slash midweek metagame. You can go over there throw a few dollars our way. It helps pay for editing fees and stuff like that. There's obviously no obligation to do so, though. Gab and I are really in it for the love of the game rather than any meager financial rewards. So why don't we just dive straight on into everything? Gab, congratulations. Obviously, you're kind of on a bit of a roll at the moment. Uh, yeah. These paper tournaments are doing well for you. So you went, what, like X2-2 in the Swiss, made top eight, lost quarterfinal, but why don't you give people a rundown of how things went with Esper Legends? Yeah, things uh, went great. Things could have been different. I uh, I was 1-1 and I should have probably lost. I, I made a really bad mistake in, 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 in round three against uh, Icy Wolf, who's uh, the player from Bulgaria who, who won the LCQ in Sofia and then did well uh, in the in the main event, qualified for the PT and, and he was back and yeah, it was. I made a really bad mistake, and then he made a really bad mistake. So I could have been one and two, and then who knows what happens. But yeah. won that match, won a bunch more, ended day one at seven two, which I was really happy with. And then on day two, I just went on a roll. I just won, 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 won again. Um, and then I made a had a close call whether I wanted an int- intentional draw in, in round fourteen and either be able to draw or even lose into the top eight in round 15. And I drew, but it didn't work out. And I almost got screwed. I had to play. Uh, I'll, I'll get back to it. But yeah, a deck was really good for me. It was cool to see that the the latter preparation was good enough for this tournament anyways. Um, you know, I, I, um, I don't remember exactly where we left things last week, but... I, uh, I I guess I was I was pretty locked into Esper when we when we did the podcast last week. I'd been liking the deck. Uh, nothing changed in the last few days. I kept winning a lot, if not more. I ended up nine or ten and zero against Grixis. Uh, on the ladder, I um, I added temporary lockdown. Maybe it was biggest and maybe most important change I made to the deck uh, in the last few days was add a couple of guns to the sideboards. And um, yeah, the, the deck was good. It was a great feeling. Run one, I get paired against Grixis. I lose the die roll. My opponent has pretty solid draws in, in both games on the play. You know, nothing insane like what I lost in the quarters where it's, you know, using all their mana every turn for the entire game was great spells at every point. But it was, you know, two drop into Fable, two drop into Appraiser, get your creature, I think. And yeah, it was it was a comforting to see that I could beat Grixis in real life as well, uh, and that 
you know, I figured if I was 10 and 0 against Grixis on the ladder, obviously I'm not like an 80 or 90% favorite or whatever, but I was hoping that would translate in at least, you know, I was happy if I was over 50% against Grixis and, you know, maybe 50, 55. And right. I, I, I didn't so, sorry, Grixis was like, what, 30% or something of the metagame in, in Naples? Is that right? Grixis was exactly 28.5%. Exactly twenty eight point five percent. Right, fine. So about thirty percent of the meta game. Not counting how many times, the reanimator, just the mid range version. Right, just the mid range version. So how how many times did you wind up playing it on the on the weekend? Yeah, but uh, I guess a little over. Uh, I think six times. One, two, three, four, five, six plus once in the in the quarters again. So six yeah. out of so forty percent of my rounds were against Grixis. Okay, yeah. So so slightly above average, and you're in the winners bracket as well. So. That, that that's pretty reasonable, I think. But yeah, it's obviously great to see see what your ladder preparation pay off in terms of uh, in terms of like you know not having a completely skewed skewed perspective perception of uh, how the best the most important matchup in the format goes. It's really difficult to get a feel for, for feel for how it, how to quantify the ladder results. And I I was always of the opinion that it, it was better to kind of focus less on like how much am I actually winning and just trying to figure out how much can I actually learn about how this works. Is that is that the same same kind of approach you're you're taking? You know, obviously, like you said, you're not expecting to be like ninety percent favorite. Well, one thing that was important for me in these matches was not that just I was winning, but the way I was winning, I was beating good draws. You know, mm. obviously, you need to get lucky to to go ten and zero. So, uh, you know, a lot of these matches were close. There was a lot of two ones, but. I was winning games where my opponent had, you know, two drop into three drop, like what happened in round one. At the, the, so that was important for me to not just be, oh, just look at, I, I'm 10-0, just ignore everything else. Yeah, um, ignore the fact that they scooped on turn one when you're, uh, yeah, <laughs> when they mulled the four or whatever. Yeah, okay. And, you know, I didn't have a ton of pressure going to that tournament, so I was okay was, you know, I didn't borrow one of my teammates to, to jam a bunch of men, which you know I should do if I was really serious about the tournament, make sure that things go at least okay against uh, one of my teammates or someone I, I really uh, trust. I did get to, shout out to her, I, I did get paired against Brittany Davis. Um, I was recording for, for CFB and uh, I, I played the deck, I liked the deck, and I played one of my matches and Brittany was playing Grixis and I beat her, so that did give me a little extra boost of confidence. Beating a, you know, someone I know is good, so um, that was that was cool too. Uh, and I was doing good against other decks. You know, I was doing good against the, the, the Traxa decks. I was doing really good against Mono Red. Obviously, I didn't expect to play against Mono Red a ton at the RC. You know, it was like super popular on the ladder for the usual reasons, cheap, etc. And uh, I did. I did play against it once. I played once against Mono Blue, once against Mono White. Um, Mono White was against La Playan, the Polish player. I'm not sure if that's how you say it. Now you know how to say I, it, right? I think it's Laplazian. Laplazian. Yeah. Yeah, and he said it was. You know, I played against Mono Blue. I played against Pachi. It's you know, it's spelled P A T X Y, but it's. I think it's. He's probably from um, Catalonia. Oh, yeah, know. another another famous integer yeah, yeah. name. Yeah, someone someone I played against a lot, yeah. And you know, he was playing mono blue, and he said it was his worst matchup. So, you know, going in, I thought I was hoping I was like, you know, at least slightly favored against Grixis. I knew Toxic would be tough. That's what I see Wolf was playing in round three when I got a little lucky, and 
you know, when we both messed up and, um, you know, I, I definitely had a lot of my side work dedicated to that match. I've had two lockdowns, two night clubbers, a depop late. Um, in, in hindsight, you asked me what I would change. I wish I think I had force Krelf in my main. It was funny cause I, um, I was talking to Pete Ward and he was like, why Gab? Why are you only playing free Skrelv? I'm like, well, sometimes you don't have untap white on turn one. You can't have untap white turn one and untap on turn and on turn, turn two as well. Sometimes you draw two. It's not that great against Brotherhood's end. And he's like, but it's mother of runes. I'm like, eh. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, I think after a few rounds on day two or something. Yeah, you're like, yeah, it's he, mother of runes. And, and he kind of reverse jinxed me he he blessed me after he said that i had a bunch of games which i hadn't really had on, up until that point i had a bunch of games where i just went turn one scrap turn two two drop turn three free drop you know on the play automatic win poor um his name is marco i think i uh i was my grixis opponent from round 12 marco del pivo he's good friends with mango i think they prepared together and i won the role and both game one and three i had Skrelf turn one, two drop, three drop, four drop, blah, blah, blah. Just unbeatable hands, pretty much. I, I remember when I first, I first, in, I turned into your first stream when you were kind of, you know, laying out uh, this this Esper deck. And the first comment, the only comment I made in chat was like, surely four scroll was the right thing to be doing. And I just logged off and I didn't, I didn't, I didn't like check back in to find out what you'd been doing. And then, uh, you know, we had the cast last week and you were like, I'm playing three, definitely. I don't know why I still second guess you at this point. You're just yeah, I know, savant. I know. You're just a savant. Uh, <laughs> I just pick and choose to talk about the 100 times that I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> and we've already established that I'm one of the worst Twitch chatters on planet Earth. So, <laughs> yeah, it, doesn't, it makes sense that you would ignore me in Twitch chat. A, a buffoon yet a threat. <laughs> That's right. That's right. You keep people's guard down. Um, all right. So, so I guess... When you the way you're describing it, the tournament plays out like you know solid matchup against Grixis, and then just like a, a big favorite against everything against basically green white to against everything except green white toxic. It seems to me that this would be the deck to have a you know one of the decks to play in the tournament, and it seems to me that, that was kind of popular consensus all around. I, there was another team of players who played Esper, Esper Legends, a slightly different version, and we can talk a little bit about that if you would like. They did well. But it, it's been kind of tearing it up on Magic Online. It won one of the standard challenges. Uh, it did well in uh, where were the other? It did well in Canada, and it also did well in um, in South America as well, putting people in the top eight of both the RCs there. So it really seems like it's here to stay as a kind of you know legitimate choice in the tournament, rather than some kind of uh, in the format, rather than some fringe fringe deck. Yeah. Uh, so to give people a rough idea who haven't. Kind of taking a look at the data. Grixit mid range was right around 50% win rate in, in all three RCs. Like I think it was 51, 50, 50.5. There was uh, the European RC, there was one of the two Canadian ones, and then there was the South American one, I think. Um, yeah, that's right. And, and Grixis did you know, slightly above average, but, but barely, uh, which is fine. You know, it, has, it, it always has a target on its back. Yeah, um, target on its back and a huge percentage of the metagame as well. I think that, yeah. you know, it, it's one of these kind of things where, like, people go, like, oh, it, when a deck is a large percentage of metagame, it's unhealthy. But when it has a win rate like that, it's, uh, it's actually indicative that the format might actually just be okay. 
Yeah. You know, you've got, you know, it's, a, it's got a pretty solid metagame share, so, and it wins about 50% of its matches, which means it is a good deck, but it's not oppressive. Yeah. So for Europe, for example, it was by far the most played decks, 20% field, 51% win rate. Then you had mono-white mid-range, almost 10% of the field was a 46% win rate. That was kind of my impression when people brought in brought up mono-white uh, when I was playing on the ladder on my stream. I was like... And so just to clarify, this isn't like white weenie or anything like that. It's not like an aggro white deck. It's more of kind of like, you know, planeswalkers and spot removal and... Yeah, it's usually Bangbuster, you know, either Farmhand or Spirited Companion, Restoration, some some Angel, some... Depends what the top of the curve looks like. Every, every list is a little different. Someone actually won the Canadian RC, I think it was Mono White mid, mid, Midrange, but they had eight Field of Runes. You can play four Field of Runes and four Demolition Field, I think it's called. Yeah, that's and right. I kind of saw, I think it was maybe Shota's list that had four field of rune, and that's one of the reasons why I added a basic planes to my list, just to not be cold to uh, strip mine, especially in open deck lists. It's even yeah, more right. important that your opponent doesn't know they just have free reign and they can just start strip mining you on on turn three. Um, yeah, I, and I think that if if anything, that, 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 that sort of deck building will have an effect on the way people go about building their mana bases going forward. Yeah. You know, we've been through that kind of early iteration where like, hey, we've got amazing mana. We can play as many non-basics as we want and, you know, play four or five colors, stretch it as thin as, you know, stretch ourselves completely thin. And then it just takes someone coming in and doing well with eight field of runes or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and it doesn't even need to be that extreme, right? Like, just you have to put the, the person's demonstrated the field of runes is good. And so maybe someone who comes along and plays four field and plays a slightly more ambitious mana base than just mono white. And but having field of runes is good value when people are cheating on basics. Yeah, and if this gets popular, I would for now maybe even play a second basic. Maybe cut Takanuma for a swamp or Auto War for an island. Even the Auto War is really good. But uh, yeah, then then you had mono red at eight percent of the field, forty eight percent win rate, which is fine, I guess. And then you had Esper Legends. Seven and a half percent of his field, sixty percent win rate. Oh boy, that's great. Yeah, and then you have yeah. to go down to down to Celestia Toxic, which was five percent, and that also had a fifty-two point five percent win rate. Which that deck definitely had a target on its back. It did, you know, race side one. Uh, I was playing a decent bit against it on the ladder. I was I was losing a bit to it. So the fact that that deck still put up a, you know, it's not the the hardest deck to hate. Um, you can play cards like, you know, I was playing Lockdowns and Nightclubbers and more lore rounds. You can maybe play cards like Elder Dragon War. Um, no, there's no shortage of sweepers in the format. You just need to be aware of it. Yeah. Toxic is a sort of deck, though, that had, the high, had a high-profile finish, and it's flashy enough of a deck. Like, it's kind of... It's not just some green-white aggro deck. It's green-white poison, you know? Like, it's people get excited about that. They pick it up. They try it out. It's just the new the new broken thing. So it doesn't surprise me that it was played relatively heavily over the last week and people decided to switch into that for this for their RCs this weekend. And, you know, respectable win rate of 52% despite the target on its back. I'm sure that many Grixis players and other, and other, and other people were, were, were bearing it in mind when they were building their sideboards or tuning their main decks. Yeah. And but yeah, Esper, Esper Legends, though, like, it kind of crushed it. Yeah, 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 it crushed it... Uh heavily on the back of the the germans uh, i'm not exactly sure if it was just there's four of them that did really well and i'm not sure if there's other people playing their list that didn't do as well but you know torolf um qualified 
no, I'm going to say something. No, he did qualify for Worlds. He came in second. And yeah. basically, they were playing wedding announcements in the main deck. Four wedding announcements over, you know, various free drops and four shield red in the main. They did have four scroll. Um, they weren't dumb like me. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I guess the biggest difference was four wedding announcements, which seems weird in a Thalia deck. Um, but it is true that past for Fiend, the other free drops are... You know, I had like two Adeline, two Geeks. Um, I think I had a yeah. few others. I had like one Loran. They had they had four Rafine, three Adeline, four winning announcement. And yeah, it, it's interesting, right? Like you, you said, that like yeah, the yeah, your three drops pretty sparse in terms of like things you genuinely want heaps of copies of. When normally in the deck, a lot of index like this, you kind of glutted on great threes that you want to play because you know it's a, and it's the two drops you have to find the the, the good versions of. And you have to make kind of sacrifices in the three drop slot. But here you're really kind of like, oh, there's like four Rafine, and then I don't really know exactly what I want large numbers of otherwise. And winning announcements is a great card. And that so the, my understanding is they, they chose winning announcements specifically because it's really good against Grixis and they want an extra extra like essentially like extra value I would get, I guess is this kind of general term in that matchup. I also see they're playing like uh multiple copies of um Razor Lash Transmigrant in the in their main deck as well, which I know you played one copy of, and we spoke about maining a copy or two. Yeah, uh, last week. So it seems that they're really intent on you know putting pressure on, beating down, and being sticky, having sticky threats against Grixis. Yeah, wedding announcement is is solid against Grixis. It can all go both ways because it, it does get sacked to invoke, but that means you maybe got a token, so you get to sack a, a token for creature, which is nice. You do lose your enchantment, and um. Yeah, I guess that card must have been really good for them. They, they did, I think they did really well against Grixis. Um, maybe maybe better than me. I had I had two Toulouse, though. That card was really strong for me. I felt the entire tournament. I also had a split of two Eretai, two Shieldred, where they had four Shieldred. And I feel like in a lot of spots, Eretai was just better for me, especially since people were ready. You know, I don't think I played against a Grixis list that had less than three go for the throat in the main. So maybe maybe their list you just it kind of piles on, you know, you just play wedding and, and shieldred and you just kind of jam these these cards down their throat and then there's one that sticks and it wins you the game. But I don't like building my deck like that, just kind of jamming and praying something sticks. I Yeah, I we've know. we've had this conversation for about three years now. <laughs> And I feel like Eritai was was really strong for me too. So, you know, who knows if if the winning announcement were were that meaningful of a difference? And you know, yeah. I would tend to trust a list that you know, on average, you know, maybe I did as well as them, but they had you know a bigger sample size. And um... yeah, it's 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 usually a reasonable sign when a, a group of a group of players who all, who all know what's up decide to play the, like roughly the same 75 and they all do well in a tournament. I think that's usually a kind of... It's at least a sign that that, that was good for this weekend and you know they, they, they knew what was going on. But uh, maybe we can circle back around and kind of talk about a little bit more about your tournament and the way your opponents were prepared for Esper Legends in particular. So you lost your quarterfinals to the eventual winner of the tournament, uh, Michael... I can't remember the last name... Michel Robuck. Ah, okay, there we go. Fine. Yep. Anyway, congratulations to them. 
their deck was uh, I would I, you can go on a limb and say it's pretty sideboard for for, for Esper Legends. They kind of they're playing Grixis mid range, but it was really just leaning heavily on that move. It's moving away from the arms race of mid the, the mid range arms race that was going on when you feel like Grixis is the only deck to play in a tournament, and you know played all the all the main deck removal. So it was like four cut down, four go for the throat, and then uh, some number of a braid as well in their list. Kind of you know shaving on the uh, the attrition elements to really just put to really just make sure that their life total wasn't under threat and they were able to take over the game with corpse appraisers and 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 the the, the usual suspects I suppose. Yeah, it's actually interesting. So if I remember correctly, because we talked a bit, he uh, he's a mostly a limited player and he practiced on the ladder on arena. He he plays at thing his local game stores and on arena and. His deck was just built to beat uh, Monorite, actually, because Monorite's really popular on the arena ladder. So Right, that's really funny. I think that's the reason why he has four cutdowns, four go for the throw, you know, one Giggs command in the main, uh, the mm. third shield red, two, two trespass, right? Just happened to to be really good against Esper Legend, and I guess good in, in the mirror. Um, the mirror used to be about, um, you know, Bangbuster and Siphon inside after sideboard. But it shifted to being about kind of being aggressive uh, because of Transmogrant in particular. And I guess he kind of, I think a bit unintentionally next leveled the field was only one Bankbuster in the main uh, and, and all these, uh, and these, you know, maybe these two Trespassers to get rid of, maybe that he got a few Transmogrant was these. Yeah. I was going to say, uh, when I saw those in his list, I thought they just looked absolutely perfect. Like, you know, sniping the back half of Denix uh, <laughs> and the Transmigrant, like you he, like he just mentioned. It just seemed perfectly set up for the field. And I, and I, didn't, I didn't realize that he built he configured his deck that way specifically for Mono Red. But if, I mean, maybe this is revisionist history, but when I, I said I would play Grixis in, during Life in the Line last week and I said I would be, you know, playing playing all the cut downs, but I didn't think I would go as far as playing all the go for the throat and and all these you know great graveyard trespasses as well. But it definitely kind of took the angle that uh, was needed to do well in this tournament when you know you have you know, Esper Legends rising the top and having that spot removal on turn one and turn two and all this just just to get the double spell in the early turns of the game is just so important when you're trying to keep your opponent off the front foot. Yeah. No, I, I agree, and it just, yeah, it worked really well for him. Yeah, I mean, he, ro- he rolled you in the quarterfinals. He did. I actually toed him in the Swiss, too, but yeah, I, I, I think, I, you know, I think uh, it was a tough matchup for me. Uh, he, he did draw extremely well in, in the quarterfinal games, where whereas I, I drew well but stumbled here and there. He he barely ever stumbled, just used his mana really well uh, till the very end of games. And game one, it was kind of... There's one key spot where I needed to double spell because I was probably going to get invoked. So I could have played Shieldred and prayed or played Toulouse. Hope to draw a second Fred that costs three or less. And I just drew a second Shieldred, connived the Shieldred. And um, that's kind of the turn. That was my chance to get two creatures in play on tap with at least one creature after he invoked and kind of try and get something going. And then... Mm. Game two was just a case of me not not seeing a go for the throat for Shieldred and um, taking too much damage from from Shieldred and I ended up dying was a Wandering Emperor on the board and Kaido on six counters and I think I had a clue token left I had like a couple plazas I still had to use like a ton of mana and 
I just I just took too much uh, you know splash damage from shield dread kicks command and stuff. I was um so yeah I was obviously watching a quarterfinals match on coverage, and they had the life totals wrong in game two, and so I was thinking like oh you know this isn't you know it's like it's looking bad for Gambit. It doesn't look disastrous, and then they updated the life totals, and actually he was on fourteen and you're at six. And I was like oh it's over. <laughs> it's just no chance. Yeah. It sucks. Yeah 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 yeah. yeah. Um, uh, no, but still successful tournament for you overall i mean it's just for you know a, a few thousand dollars i'm sure at this point in time rather than anything else but you know was the weekend fun in general yeah it's pretty good it, it almost did happen i i was flying easy jet and i hadn't checked in online so they kind of overbooked the, the flights and i didn't have a, a seat assignment until the the very end of boarding so there's a second where i was not even trying you to just make turn it. around yeah. yeah, if there was a tournament where I could afford to get screwed, it was that one because I wasn't playing for anything but the the glory and the money, because yeah. I already had the the pro tour qualification locked up and the worlds locked up, so yeah, it would have been the end of the world. But yeah, turn was fun. Um, you know, got handed a full deck from uh, Rosie Hoser, just like in Sofia. So that's super nice of him again. Yeah, and um, yeah, yeah, it's good, good to have those hookups. Yeah, lots lots of people came and say hi, took a selfie, told me a story. There's actually a couple of people who mentioned uh, a couple of different guys who mentioned the, my Charbelcher deck from New Orleans, and they're like, "Oh, I saw nice. that deck." And you know, a few people also told me you're the one who made me want to play competitive Magic. Hey, I, you know, I remember who, that Charbelcher deck too. Don't worry. Who, who knows if it's true? But it was nice to you know to yeah. hear, and I I enjoyed it. And, Everyone was super nice, and I mean, I, I probably I probably told you this story before, but I that Pro Tour New Orleans was like right around when I first, when I just started drifting back into Magic after playing kind of on the on the floor as a child. I kind of just started getting back into Magic again, and I was like, oh, there's this kind of tournament thing going on, like, and I was reading coverage, and then that was the the Pro Tour that had like just happened or happened like just after us just after I got back in and I remember just reading about these extended decks being like, holy hell, what is going on? And that Charbelcher deck in particular was like, you know, if you read the, I mean, this is kind of a huge, huge throwback though, but like if you read the text coverage as the, as the tournament's progressing, like this knowledge of this Charbelcher deck is like coming up and up and like it starts getting more and more feature and cover and like, you know, you know, people are like one-upping all the Tinker decks. Why am I going into this old dead extended format? But like, I remember like you really had a good level of the metagame then, like everyone was broken, but that was way more broken. Yeah, there was a bunch of different Charbelcher lists that made top eight, or I mean Tinker lists that make top eight. Uh, there was, it was funny. The French, other French players came up to pretty similar lists, except they were playing black for Vampiric Tutor. I think their version yeah. was maybe even better than mine. But yeah, you were just uh, mono blue Severance Belcher, right? Yeah, our disruption was our tech was four four spike because yeah, the format right. was just so fast. It was about like, you know hermit druid stuff or food yeah. chain goblin or just people trying to do broken things and honestly that format was just so exciting for a kid who just like i'd never like thought about how busted magic could be and i was reading i was trying to figure out what all these things were doing I'm like oh wow people are just dying on turn two all the time this is great <laughs> this is nothing I, all i want to do is play this yeah no it was it was crazy back then because you just showed up to a pt and you had no idea what other people had, you know, there was mm. format was always new. There was barely any info. There was definitely no big tournaments in that format the week before or anything like that. So that's right. 
setting I mean, down. This is an era where Magic Online almost didn't exist. Magic Online did exist at this point, but it had only been around for like maybe a year or two at that at that stage. Although we've transitioned immediately into Thunder, talking yeah, about two thousand and three. Yeah, not even I think, but yeah. it just it showed the first, up. First, like, it's on Magic Online what, what, Odyssey, right? Yeah, Odyssey. Yeah, so it must have been after that because it was Mirror and Block. Yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah. But yeah, that anyway. feeling when, when you sat down around the one and you're like, is my deck, you know, is my deck even functional? Did someone else break <laughs> yeah. it? Is it, yeah. you know, is it as good as I think it is? There's, there's always something, these, these, these round one have constructed at the Pro Tour. It's like, and usually it was like, you know, I'd win pretty easily. And I was like, oh, that wasn't so bad. Maybe 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 I, maybe my deck's good. Maybe maybe I can uh, I can go on a little yeah. run here. So as 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 fun. Right. That's good. To, it's good to know that there's people who still remember that around and, and coming coming up to your tournaments and talking about that sort of stuff. Anyway. Yeah. That was a, a, a small tangent, I suppose. But um, yeah, successful tournament. Good weekend overall. Esper Legends doing well. Anyone who may have listened to you probably had a pretty good weekend, I guess. <laughs> yeah, hopefully. Yeah, it was, <laughs> yeah. It was cool. You know, it was, it was just super open, no pressure. Um, you know, most of my teammates are from the U.S., so they play in a few weeks. So, uh, you know, the, the ones playing in Europe weren't playing a ton. Like, Juza played a bit. Carson played, tried, I guess Carson tried a bunch of the aggro decks, but kind of did my thing on the stream. Um you know, I'm sure Twitch Twitch chat, everyone who interacted with me was uh, helped me in, in some ways. You know, it adds up. and It's a classic streamer edge, really. Yeah, exactly. Honestly, it's <laughs> not a, a bad way of, of preparing. If you're able to to sort through, through everything people tell you and... Yeah, know. I mean, it probably, it probably goes... Goes with you know how how kind of curated your Twitch chat is in a lot of respects. Like, you don't have two thousand people in your stream every day just spewing nonsense left, right, and center. You know, yeah. so you've got you've got kind of like you know five hundred to a thousand relatively regular regular viewers who turn up and kind of are all roughly on the same page. Yeah, I think yeah that probably helps a lot. And you, you know, there's a kind of existing relationships with lots of them as well, so you know who to trust, you know who not to trust, and you know, like you said, you. You've also got your own internal filter where you kind of you know tune out whatever I'm saying and listen to somebody else, yeah, yeah. and wind up registering three scrolls. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. So I, if, I you, know. if you had if you had sorry if you, if you had to play a tournament tomorrow, what 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 changes would you have made to this deck? I mean, if it was just my list, I would play I would play the four scrolls, um, in the main over. You know, I'd be honestly maybe. No, the one Lorenz probably did. The Lorenz were kind of awkward for me. I think I maybe overboarded Lauren in some spots. Um, did you have the full four? I had one in the main and two more in the sideboards. Okay, right. So three, three in the 75. Yeah, so what I was doing against Grixis is on the play, I would just have one usually because you kind of... If they play turn three Fable on turn four, you don't really want to play Lauren. Usually you can beat Fable when they're on the draw and you're curving out. It's not that scary. But then when I was on the draw, I would go up to free Lorian because it's kind of hard to beat if they go removal into Fable or stuff. So um, even that maybe was one too many. Uh, but I, I would have deferred the, up to four Lorian in my sideboard because I think it's kind of the best card against Toxic. You know, I had like Nightclubbers and 
Lockdowns, which are good. I think Lockdowns is pretty good. Maybe Nightclub is just a little too fancy and it should just be like four, you know, up to four Loran and up to three Lockdowns. Um, are, there other, are there other matchups you really want Lockdown in versus or Nightclub or in versus Lockdown? Um, Lockdown's probably really good against Soldiers. I think Nightclub might be okay in small numbers against Soldiers since I think almost all these whitelists are going to have Skrelv. So you, you get Skrell almost always, and then you get maybe some tokens or whatnot. Yeah, right. Um, Lockdown randomly won me, uh, well, not randomly, but I got paired against Blue-Green Ivy, which is the most original I got deck I got paired against and probably one of the most original decks in the field. And uh, there's the 2-1 so, Green it, Legend. Yeah, where please tell you me. Target, you target one of your creatures and you copy the spell targeting Ivy if you want to. So. Oh, right. So this is a deck with just giant growths and stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. Tivar, Sunshine, Gross, Curiosities, uh, right. Audacity. As a 2-1 Drake that was played in Auras that draws you card. It plays Shredder. And Lockdown was obviously really good for me against against my opponent, even though he um, you know, he did have Auto War for it at some point and then Basaju, but the, the damage had been kind of done. Yeah, just even just the time. Yeah, I mean, it's temporary Lockdown, but yeah, still yeah. helps, right? I, I would maybe adjust a tiny bit for a bit more as for legends, even though I had a, a solid plan, you know, I had the extra cutdowns and go for the fruit, nothing special. I had the, the, the planeswalkers actually won me a game against Arna. I'm not right, sure. So you had would... like, you had like one, the wandering emperor and then like one of each of the two Kaitos, right? Yeah. The Kaitos were more there just cause I didn't really want to play counter spells. And I figured they might help me if I get paired against the depopulate deck, you know, depopulate farewell kind of control deck. Um, I wanted something a little sticky uh, that could that could you know overextend, and it, they they were good for me uh, against um, against Arna. I didn't bring in Kaido Shitsuki. I I brought in the the, the four mana Kaido and Wandering Emperor, and the reason is that I just want as much removal as I can, basically. So, because sometimes what happens is. And it kind of what happened against game two against Arna. He was on the play. He had Denik into Rafine, and he got to trigger Rafine like two or three turns. But Rafine's not card advantage at the end of the day. It's card quality um, and some tokens. But I was able to just deal with the threats, turn the corner, and then it didn't matter that he had like cycled a bunch and, and, and got some damage, some lifelink damage in. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's easy to kind of make that mistake. Like you kind of, we've been in this kind of era of magic for a while where like, you know, if people snowball snowball against you, you just, there's nothing you can really do to catch up. But like you said, like Rafine's not actually card advantage and the matchup's not so much about, you know, having, you know, they don't have a huge amount of reach other than shielded. And so if you can, if you can just kind of withstand a first few hits and your, your hands, your hands okay, you can catch back up. Yeah, because these planeswalkers, this 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 snowball, this snowball hard, um, in these kind of matchups. But I've actually found that for wedding announcement when I've played against it, and the kind of you know, particularly from Pioneer, I've played against it in Pioneer more than I've played against it in any other format. It's not actually that insurmountable of an advantage that it gives your opponent. You kind of you know they might draw a couple of cards, they might make a couple of tokens, but those are things that you can just go go back over the top of. Or overcome that card advantage. Like it's a scary threat, but it's it's something you'd rather not play against. But it's not the sort of thing where like, oh no, they resolved it, I'm dead. 
which you know I feel you know happens more often with cards like Fable and Mirror Breaker or something like that, or you know in you know in uh in formats past you know for example you know for extreme examples like Ogo and stuff like that. Yeah, I'm not sure exactly was wedding announcement, but maybe maybe it's kind of card where if both players just use their mana and their their spells every turn, you're you know if if someone has has played a wedding and someone played a Rafine, I think I'd rather be on the Rafine side. If, especially, I think maybe that's what happened in game one. He had he curved into wedding announcement, and I curved into Rafine and the wedding announcement uh or i curved into gigs maybe and he had to like chomp right away and i don't remember i think i remember he played wedding announcement and i played maybe a gigs and i think having the the creature was a bit better because you know both of us have very few removal spells in, in game one mm-hmm. um yeah I, i'm not sure honestly right so <laughs> what's on the horizon from here uh, you know, we've got a little bit, bit of a break between tournaments. Next Pro Tour is not for a, a month or so. Is that right? Yeah, a month and a half is the Pro Tour. Uh, in between, there is the, the, some more RCs in Standard. The Pro Tour is Standard, so I'm going to be playing a lot of Standard, even though there will be a new set. Just really try and have that, that format figured out before the new set comes so we're ready and we can, you know, adjust. Uh, and... Um, you know, I'm probably going to be pretty into spoiler season. I'm not always, it's not always the case because, you know, if the tournament is pioneer or modern, then a new standard set less likely to impact that. But for standard, it's, it's going to be different. So there's going to be that. I'm going to be playing a bit of pioneer. I played a, I played a pioneer, uh, prelim today, got back in the mix with blue, black. Ah, I finally got a chance to try. Yeah. Yeah. It was not convincing, but I, I did get free one. But one of the wins was me timing out a, a Phoenix player. I, I got kind of unlucky in my draws in some ways, but still got the, the job done, I guess. Uh, yeah. I tried the, the Twilight cards. I didn't get paired against Ragdos, though, the blue Twilight. I did beat Mengu with it in the last round against Angels. Not really. I was I was so far ahead at this point, but I, I cast... Uh, a twilight for five on one of his angels and it was it was fine <laughs> yeah. so i guess jury's still out to to see uh but i i think i still really like blue black in general yeah i mean i feel like where the format left off you know i have obviously haven't been paying attention to it for the last couple of weeks and stan has been on uh, at the forefront of all of our minds but you know where we left off i think the, the general consensus was that the format should be in a place where blue blacks probably the best of the of, of the blue control deck variants and you know certainly well positioned if if Rakdos is on a slight decline and Monica not traded slight... so yeah i mean it's probably pretty hard to keep uh, a deck like that from from seeing a lot of play it's you know well 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 and truly established known to be a good deck and in a lot of people's wheelhouses and comfort zones so yeah i, I still don't think that matchup's horrific yeah uh, i i don't think so either but it's it probably like definitely... probably like a, a small dog in the matchup yeah, it definitely is an uphill battle, and yeah. you probably don't want to play blue-black if Ragdos is still like a quarter of the field or something. Yeah, right, exactly. Yeah. But, but yeah, for I don't, I'm, I'm excited about still standard, honestly. Uh, my teammates are going to be playing their RCs, and that format is cool. I've been enjoying the games, and now that we have a little more... I've got that, like, one whole live tournament. You know, when you play a live tournament like that, you get to think more about stuff more in-depth, and 
you you learn a lot more in in one one tournament like that and talking to people and thinking about the the format than you do maybe playing you know several days online and stuff yeah i absolutely agree i just the the amount of information you can gather over two days at a grand prix and stuff like that was just kind of not you know nothing really compared to that you, you finally get to speak to people who are kind of been preparing in different you know different bubbles and no one's keeping secrets from one another anymore we're just talking openly and you know you kind of you get all that kind of information transfer and flow and it gets you really excited particularly if the format's enjoyable like this this, this standard format seems to be yeah that's one advice i give to people sometimes they're like oh i'm playing online but i'm not really focused and so i'm like you know that's up to you you can you're allowed to to focus even if it's arena and thinking of the game to outside of the game can be more valuable than than just uh, playing the next game yeah 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 I, I've, I've certainly fallen into that trap before and also have managed to figure out the, the hack as well you know quite often i realize i just kind of you just been playing games and losing focus and they don't really mean anything or if you're playing and kind of dealing with something else on the side you're going to don't really learn anything but you know the games where you you can you can certainly knuckle down and focus and play very seriously even if it's for no stakes and gain a hell of a lot out of a very small number of matches and then yeah on the other side of it i you know the I, I, I find this, this is not just for magic, but also you know, for, for, for work as well. I, I find that I do my best thinking when I'm kind of, when I'm commuting, when I'm riding my bike or driving in the car or something like that. I spend a lot of time just quietly thinking and thinking in great detail, you know, doing a kind of idle activity where, uh, about, about a complex problem. And often yeah. I find that leads to the greatest, the, the greatest kind of movement forward on you know, things that I might be stuck, feeling stuck on. Yeah, I don't do it a lot at all or almost never, but maybe taking notes in games can be good or just sitting down in a room with no screen or, you know, going in a room with no screen and stuff and think about the deck, the matchups, maybe it was a pen and paper. Um, even something yeah, simple writing as, reflection, writing reflections on, on, on things really helpful. Even something simple as writing an in and out for each matchup, making sure you know you have enough cards to board in to board out stuff like that i don't know it's it's kind of nice sometimes and yeah i mean that used, that used to be the the routine that you, when i was an undergraduate i just kind of you know we'd have tournaments on the weekend and i'd be sitting in kind of class or between classes on fridays and then just <laughs> making sure i had every single thing oh, yeah. nailed down yeah I, I would i would literally rewrite the same deck list like six times and same you can you can go back through any of my any of my old old school books from like end of high school all the way through undergraduate yeah. same thing I just wish like I still, yeah I wish one I card difference but i've written the entire list down. yeah yeah no yeah. exactly yeah i wish yeah. i wonder if i have some of these notebooks i don't think so but <laughs> my, my I, I know that for a fact my mom has them back so in australia amazing. yeah it's that sentimentality of my mother I just she managed to hold on to it and every time i go back i used to go back home she'd be like you still need these i was like no and she's like i'm gonna keep them yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right fine yeah i know she every now and then she listens to this car so highly <laughs> i don't think she makes right. it to the 43 minute mark though hello mama robertson if you're still watching thank you so much if you're still listening if you made it this far we'll yeah, i wonder you. if there's an i wonder if there's an ai that AI program you can run things through to see if your son's talking about about you in their podcast and find out what minute it happened at. Yeah. 
Yeah. But yeah, as far as standard, I don't know. There's a few decks, you know, that had like that red green Storm the Festival deck. I only got a four matches in was. Um, you know, I wanna I wanna try the, the wedding announcement build to to get a feel for it. I wanna Yeah, you definitely refine, gotta try that one. Refine as Resper, maybe at some point, you know, work on Grixis as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it's gonna be experiment time for you now, rather than kind of zeroing in on one thing in particular is trying to grind get a feel for the format as a whole. Yeah, maybe maybe play a while. Um, Jeskai Control, a uh, shout right, out to yeah. Notice, who, you know, put his money where his mouth was and he, he got 10s qualifying for the Pro Tour again. Yeah, and his list finished second in uh, the challenge as well on the weekend in the hands of Bill's Live. Yeah, he changed very little from his challenge winning list. Yeah, so maybe maybe it's got some legs. I, I think we're, before the cast, we were saying that, uh, well, I said yeah. it might be a secretly doing well and you said maybe it's not so secret anymore. Yeah, he, he did add a land or two, I think, which was good for him, I'm sure. Uh, yeah. That's one of the things I was kind of making fun of. Do you think, do you think on, if you took an, an, a random deck and added a, added a land, it would be a ride more often than not? I think people are actually pretty good about it now. I think it would more often be wrong than not. Okay, so maybe maybe the sort of thing like 10 years ago, people would have done, done, it, done it wrong. I think that's a little probably over... I feel like that's the first few years of Magic. If you look at good deck lists, they're actually already like. I mean, maybe not the field, but if you look at decks that well and... make top eight and stuff, I feel like they were already like playing more or less the right amount of lands. But... Yeah, it's the sort of thing where when I was uh, when I was just starting starting to get into things like uh, people like oh, twenty land aggro that was you know twenty lands in your aggro deck, but really like now you're probably sitting there being like, okay, my aggro deck probably wants 24, 25 lands. Yeah. Maybe it's, you know, coincided with the printing of a lot more playable utility lands so that you can justify having more lands. But if you look at this Esper Legends deck, it's ostensibly a 30-creature beatdown deck, and it has 28 lands in it or something like that. Yeah. The only, only, only the same example or example, like story that comes like come to mind and I like to make fun of them because they're all really good players, but it was like, I think it was like PV, Ben Stark, maybe LSU was on that team or, and they, we both played like Saltai, Saltai midrange at, at the block PT, the one Chapin one, or right, was it yeah. standard? And I think we, we played 27 lands, but we were thinking about playing 28 and they played a very similar list and they had 25 or something. <laughs> and, and I think like we played against them a bunch and they got mana screwed a lot against us, which was kind of. That's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. You always, <laughs> when you're like debating, you got 28, you see people with two less than you're playing. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, no, nah, no, nah, you've missed the boat entirely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was a uh, Theros block constructed. Yeah, that was Atlanta. Yeah, I actually uh, I was supposed to be qualified for that one. I deferred it to the, the one afterwards. I'm glad I didn't have to play block constructed. I wouldn't have enjoyed that very much. I, I enjoy block constructed in general, but it was a kind of like who knows what's going on in this tournament sort of format. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas you know, coming with like a, a small team of you know, unprepared people would have just been a horrible experience i think whereas a pt afterwards with a relatively well-established format that i was like pretty good at and i a couple of other friends qualified and so we actually had like good decks for that which one was it the one after that, that was the one after that was a pro tour portland so it was magic 2015 so it was the one that um ivan flock won oh was was blue white with blue white yeah i played esper yeah that, have you played any magic this week 
This week, no, but I've been watching a lot. Um, yeah, yeah, that's it's it's pretty pretty busy with work at the moment. I, I tell people to just play Murktide. A couple of people ask me what to play. Good, yeah, you just play Murktide. Yeah, seriously, there, great. There's day. A, a big kind of like um, you know a, a legacy tournament in, in Prague coming up and the main events modern and like eh, if you you know Murktide's probably can't go too wrong. Absolutely, if you yeah, if you've put a gun to my head now, I was in, in, answer Murktide in a heartbeat. I couldn't argue about like individual card choices in particular at the moment, but I think that yeah, you'd yeah, be hard. How, how many spell snares? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I what do not know. Minor misstep. Have you played with that card? I haven't actually played with minor misstep at all. No. Okay. No. Last time I last time I played that deck was uh, yeah, it was pre, whatever set minor misstep was in the last set. Um, okay. So I was just I was just playing with some spell snares at that point in time and being like, yeah, I kind of like this, but. <laughs> Not really. All right, should we put our life on the line? Got to run sure. the tournament back. What are you going to do? Oh, hang on. So wait, wait, wait. For those of you who are new here, which I presume is all of you, uh, life on the line is a theoretical tournament. Uh, the stakes are high. If you win, you live. If you lose, you die. And we usually talk about what deck we would bring for whatever formats we've talked about today. So we're going to limit that to standard. And yeah, I think we should just leave it the standard at the time being. It's tough. I, I didn't like the way my quarterfinal went. And if people uh, started building their Grixis like, like that, like their Grixis deck like that, I'm not sure Esper Legends even that great. Also, there's these control decks popping up. Uh, I don't think these, this could, I think it's probably the worst matchups for, for Esper Legends, like Jeskai Control. I lost to the, the, that five color white control deck. So it's tough. I almost want to say Grixis Midrange, honestly. Yeah, well, I was going to say Greeks' Midrange as well. And I was going to build it somewhere in between what uh, the winner of that tournament played and uh, a more conventional kind of grindy version because I, I know I'm going to have to play against more decks that are trying to... probably trying to target Esper Legends and I'm going to try and have a slight edge against them and sacrifice a bit against Esper. Yeah. All right. Well, that brings us to the end of the episode. Thanks as always for making it this far. Nah, I'm kidding. I'm playing as for Legend. Come on, sixty percent win rate. They crushed it. Yeah, yeah, okay. Right, it right, was right, just, right. it was us, Michels. It is cool though. Shout out to him. It was his first big tournament. It was the biggest tournament he's ever played. And oh, now fantastic! He's, yeah. Now he's oh, going congrats. to a pro tour and he's going to world. So that's so sick. Yeah. Yeah, that was, and yeah, that was. Hey, really Magic's cool. back, baby. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, people. That, that, it, honestly, it's really fantastic to see just coverage and actually. Now I got one bone to pick with with. With, with paper magic returning it's just the ultimate uh, arts i know thing. what you're gonna yeah <laughs> i just every time i would tune in i just have no idea what anybody's cards would were i mean i kind of know what the basic art is for everything but there's yeah. all these variants especially when it's like lands like it's hard enough to keep track of what does like the new ducks like short art look like versus the old one versus just you know the 17th rendition of one triumph this person's playing because it's just a two color dual land that cycles but they could pick any two of those so i could just it just i just have to just imagine what spells they could possibly cast and i just hated every second of it and then they'll play some alternate art legend and i just have no idea what it is anyway this is the yeah, old man I yells mean, at cloud kind of stuff, thing no it's stuff i was talking to one of the casters and it's tough for them too you know they they don't always know what's going on and it leads to in-game mistakes you had i mean i had yes. like, sorry where Strasky. i don't remember if it's because he had a bunch of alternate art or just not repaying attention neither of us but he he cast a non-map without green mana there was a kind of a horror story of uh 
at the at the tournament where it was a horsery and a bad ruling where someone cast an Atraxa and they kept Island up so that they could go like land plus a counterspell and a gate. And then they realized that they hadn't tapped blue for Atraxa and the judge ruled like, no, you it's, it's fine or whatever. It's the way it is. And then, the 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 player just found a land and and a gate and just won because they basically got to cast a tracks that was no blue. I don't know. It was it was really a very bad. so. I mean, I did, my understanding with that 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 ruling is that it's um, it's entirely dependent on how how far the game has progressed since the point of the card the spell being illegally cast. So it used to be that if a turn you know if a turn has happened they feel like you know the game state is irreparable if the opponent's made adjust, made extra plays on the board essentially if the opponent's like untapped and started doing things then we can't really unwind it but if it's caught in this in the moment like the person's like resolving the trigger of a tracks or something like that like it can be right that can be rewound but it's, you know, it's hard to say yeah I, it's not I a very satisfying ruling but like that's just how it's been called for like 20 years or something i i don't, I don't really know what to say no, I don't remember the details, but it sounded sounded pretty bad. Like, yeah, I mean, it's obviously feel, feels feels terrible for the person on the receiving end of you know, you know, getting well, I'm not you know having the ruling go against them basically. Yeah, no one's cheating here. Like, let's 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 assume that's never happening. But um, yeah, I guess that's a PSA too. Honestly, if you play Paper Magic, basically the way they rule now is as long as no information was gained and nothing meaningful happened, you're basically allowed to take back anything. Like yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I and played that's the been that way for a while. Turn two, I like played a land and realized I couldn't cast my Guardian because I went like blue black land into Plaza, which doesn't give me white mana for a non-legend. So I played another land, and I'm like, oh no, I don't want to play that land. And there was another yeah. point, and I don't know, basically. Uh, it happened in round one too. My opponent killed my Raven Man end of turn after I had discarded a card. And I was like, okay, end of turn. So I still get a token. And they were like, yep, I messed up. And if they knew how the rules work, they could just call a judge, rewind, kill your Raven Man in second main. You know, I was stepped out anyways. I couldn't do anything. No information was gained. So. Um, yeah. Now we, I'm, someone, you know, it would have been kind of yeah, almost 10 years ago now that I was sitting my level ones and. You know the 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 one of the better the the top judges in Australia kind of gave this this kind of advice like you can as long as there's no opportunity to gain advantage from it like everything's everything's rewindable and if you just argue on that grounds you probably get you you'll get to rewind yeah yeah and I I, I honestly think that's a reasonable way to be <laughs> to be perfectly yeah honest. it's not that bad it's kind of weird when you've played kind of the almost the opposite the, yeah the cutthroat the cutthroat version yeah yeah but it's as long as everyone is on. Well, this is the, the, the distinction is really in there's no opportunity to gain advantage, and that's that's a kind of subjective. You you know you might think that that's a subjective perspective, but really, it's actually pretty cut and dried. Like we used to rule it in Australia, but it was ruled in Australia essentially that if the opponent is tapped out, that's and we're not in a format where like you know they have free spells. You know, there's absolutely nothing, nothing they could possibly be doing at the end of the turn. So if you need to back up and and, and undo something, they what's to stop you and yeah as yeah. opposed to me getting screwed because i said end of turn instead of discard step and that means it's the end of turn and i can't even do it's it's so funny as like right exactly yeah like, exactly and you know it's it's probably better off for it in the long run but yeah that's not yeah. everyone's gotten the message yet 
I've told that story before, I think, maybe not on the cast, but basically at at some point, you know, you used to say, end of turn, I'm going to do this, end of turn, I'm going to do that. And then they changed it so that there was like, the end of turn was the literal end of turn, so nothing could happen. And you had to say discard step, because that's where you could still do stuff. It was in the discard step. And I was not used to it yet. And How long ago was this, sorry? 25 years ago. That's when I won my first big locals, local tournament, when I won the, right. uh, my Black Lotus that I immediately traded for uh, some store credit. But in like two turns in a row, I go, I want to do something. And I just say end of turn and instead of saying discard set, then the table judge like, nope, you can't, you know, you can't cast your incinerator. I was like so mad, like so, we so used upset. To, it, it used to be the, uh, this like kind of like, not cheap trick, but kind of this. Yeah, it's basically a cheap trick, essentially. That if you had like eight cards in hand or whatever, and you thought your opponent was uh, was going to do things in your end step, you could just be like, "Can I go to discard?" And if they were like, "Yeah, sure," then then you're like you're in the you're in discard step and they can't do anything. They've missed end of turns gone by. <laughs> like they have to just go to the start. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, so, yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> this episode has been an interesting mix of talking about. <laughs> this weekend step like th- standard results that are about three days old and then a whole bunch of reflections upon things from 25 years ago okay right that does bring us to the end of the episode i think so yeah thanks very much for sticking with us uh and through this second outro phase um gab where can we find you in the, on the internet yeah twitch.tv slash yellowhead just openly sharing the best decks in the formats apparently that's right and if you go there and you don't listen to him well you have no one to blame but yourself <laughs> Uh, um you can find harry at harry youtube.com slash harry mtg go there throw him a subscribe throw him a like he's tell a workhorse him, for the podcast him, even if he's not here tell him you miss him on the podcast guilt him back onto the podcast <laughs> yeah i don't know we're, we're able to talk about standard a lot more yeah yeah uh and you can find me uh, anywhere on the internet at get underscore smart or whatever anyway we'll catch you next week See y'all later. Take care, everyone.